It's Beer O'Clock and this is the Beer O'Clock Show. My name's Mark and joining me, the man with the golden Essex voice, is my beer buddy Steve. Hello Steve. Hi Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing very well mate, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Very good. Also joining us is the godfather of British beer podcasting and a man about Edinburgh, Richard Taylor. Hello Rich. Good evening, hi, how are you? Very well, thank you mate. Thanks for joining us. It's okay. I've never been called the godfather of anything before. It's very sinister, but I kind of like it. <laughs> well, we're pleased that you like it. We've got a what looks like a very nice Scottish beer tonight. So we have a hoppy blonde from Fine Ales called... Mm-hmm. Now, we were debating last week whether this is pronounced Jarl or Jarl. Okay, which one did you go for? We didn't know... Uh, okay. oh, we, we sat on the fence. We were waiting for you to tell us, Rich. <laughs> uh, I believe it's Jarl. Okay. Yeah, um, but it's because it's it comes from the Vikings. So if you want to be extra Viking, you can maybe go for Jarl. Right. It depends how loudly you shout it, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 3.8% beer, a nice and easy one after what seems like weeks and months of heavy-duty beers. But we'll get to that in just a little while. Steve. Yes. What have you been drinking lately, buddy? Um, quite a been... bit <laughs> this 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 weekend. Yeah. Um, found myself in 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 the midst of a, a mini session uh, at home on Friday evening, um, and and all the beers started blurring into one another after a while. <laughs> but there were um, there were two standouts that, that I just wanted to mention. Um, one of them was the, uh, the the new collaboration between Adnams and Bode Brown from from Brazil, um, called Curitiba. Um, which is a which is a palau. Um really really enjoyable beer. Lots of dry tropical grapefruit flavours in there, but then with that typically pronounced malty adnams backbone, um, mm-hmm. just to balance it out. So that's that's a really uh, decent beer. So keep your eye out for that one. And it's it's only available I think in bottles, um, in in limited quantities. Um, so if you do see one of those, pick one of those up. And the other one that I just want to mention as well is, and I'm a bit late to the party on this one, it's one of those beers that it feels like everyone's been drinking for months, is the uh, the Buxton Battle Horse, um, which was their beer that they brewed to celebrate their 100th brew in, in their new brewery, uh, a 10.5% black IPA, which was just absolutely stunning. Um, big hops up front. Um, some some pine and toffee in the middle, and then these lovely roasted tropical bitterness at the end of it. So those those were my two standouts of the weekend. Oh, very nice. And how about you, Rich? What have you been drinking lately, mate? Um, I've been kind of struggling to get some uh, beers down me of late, but uh, one of the most recent beers I had that sticks in the mind is um, Time Bank's Imperial Cherry. Um, I've been out to Time Bank a couple of times in Newcastle, and. Uh, they got a great setup there. All but their head brewer just left to found his own brewery down the road. Um, but the Imperial Cherry is um, it's twelve percent Imperial Stout. Um, it's got lots of cherries in it. They describe it as a, a velvet-like feel, and it really does. It's like if you could take a handful of glacé cherries and rub it on velvet, and then rub it on yourself. <laughs> uh, it's uh, fantastic. It's slightly sour too, which is quite interesting. Um, so that's definitely one that stuck in the mind recently. Um, oh, nice. Anything else that you? Want to bring up? Um, I guess, I mean, this year it's gone by, I can't believe we're in March already, but yeah. uh, the year's gone very quickly. But I do remember the. Um, I went to a beer dinner uh, at the start of the year, which had um, wild beer, beers uh, at Spitfire in here in Edinburgh. And they did a massive collaboration, as is, you know, the, the new norm. 
Uh, and they combined with the Hanging Bat Brewery and Blackfriars Restaurant and uh, Nangan, which is Tim Anderson's Japanese soul food line. And they all got together and brewed a big beer. Uh, it's called Yadokai, and it's a sake-style beer. And I've never had anything like it. Uh, I've <laughs> wow. got to say, it's it's quite amazing. So, again, that was a big one. That was um, 15 or 16%, I think. It Bloody was absolutely hell. huge. But because it was a sake, it was um, it's fermented with sake yeast, and it was uh, served chilled, totally mm-hmm. flat, brewed to be flat. So it really was just like drinking a sake. And it's just it's one of those beers, I'm sure you've had them yourself, where you think, wow, this is... You know, this really is what beer can do if people just take a little leap of faith and just do something slightly different. I know there were so many people there involved yeah. in this collaboration, so maybe it was a too many cooks thing, but it, they didn't spoil it at all. It was amazing. And did they serve it in little glasses? Yes, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> oh, right. little glasses. Yeah, yeah. And it was with a pairing dinner. Um, I can't remember what it was paired with now, unfortunately, but it was just, just incredible. Yeah. So it's got yeah, okay. I think it's still around. You should might be able to get some. Okay. Very interesting. Well, I actually went out and socialised on Friday night for once, ah. probably the first time this year. <laughs> Get you. I know. Um, went to the old fountain in near Old Street in London, which is kind of my work local. Mm, and okay. I had a few interesting ones there. The two standouts for me were Highwire NZ from Magic Rock, um, which I think, Steve, you had earlier in the week, didn't you? Uh, oh no! It was just it was just the standard one when I was in there. It was just oh, was the normal it? high wire. Yeah. Oh, I had the fancy one. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and the other one was another Magic Rock beer, which was the Ripe Herbally, which was smooth as anything. It was gorgeous rye beer. I'm not usually a huge fan of rye beers, but that was very very nice. And yeah, that was my lot. I had some others, but they also had Yarl on tap there, yeah. um, which I I decided not to go for. Because I wanted to pop my right, my Yarl cherry tonight with with you chaps. <laughs> oh, have you never had Yarl before? No, I've never had Yarl before. Oh goodness, okay, well, yeah, you're the one. I'm the one. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise to anybody. Uh, Steve, do we have any news, mate? Of course, there's news, mate. There's always news. All right, do you want the pips? Yeah, give us the pips. <laughs> beep 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 beep. Okay, first up, uh, Starbucks is planning to roll out um, an evening concept, which includes a sale of alcohol to to other UK stores after a successful trial at Stansted Airport. Um, The evening program offers hot and cold meals, including truffle mac and cheese and braised British beef and premium wines and beers. Um, They're going to be rolling those out to some of their UK stores from around four o'clock in the afternoon. So it'd be interesting to see uh, exactly what beers they're going to be stocking in in Starbucks to go along with that, I think. And as to whether or not um, they're as overpriced as their coffee, frankly. So um, moving on... um, to keep a little bit with our Irish theme this season, Jamesons have announced that they are releasing a barrel back, which is a which is a mini glass shaped in the glass of a whiskey barrel, which can be hung on the side of a pint in time for uh, St. Patrick's Day. Um, and the idea is here is that you put a little shot of Jamesons in the whiskey, um, tiny whiskey glass, and you turn your beer into a boiler maker, which is which is a beer of a whiskey t- chaser. So not at all cashing in on the St. Paddy's. <laughs> 
theme there. Um, Sheffield Beer Week has been announced, um, running from the 16th to the 22nd of March. The week will be uh, showcasing the very best of Sheffield's beer scene. Um, and it takes uh, place the same week as Seba's conference. And again, Mark once again proves wherever the beer o'clock show goes, the trend for beer goes. We, of course, are making our first live tasting appearance in Sheffield the Thursday before Sheffield Beer Week. So we're doing um, an event that we've called Top Beer at the Hop Hideout. There are still tickets available, so if you're from the Sheffield area, get yourself down to the Hop Hideout and get one of the very few tickets remaining. Um, shameless plug for our spin-off show, um, the, the, the Beastie O'Clock, Wee Beastie thing that we're doing with Harvest Dune. First episode of that is out now. Second episode is on its way. Um, but there's also another event been announced um, where you can go along and you can try some of the Wee Beastie beers. That's going to be at the Elgin in London on Thursday the 19th of March. Tickets are now available via Eventbrite. It's one of these typically long Eventbrite um, website addresses, so we'll put the link in the show notes for you to go through to. And then, of course, it wouldn't be a news week without some news from our favourite news hounds, Brewdog. So last week they announced the winner of last year's prototype challenge which is where they release the four beers just before christmas and the public gets to vote on which one's the best so the one that won was the vagabond gluten-free parallel and that will now be added to their headliners range after it trounced the competition in 2014 challenge and didn't at all capitalize on a gap in the market um that's the end of this week's rather tongue-in-cheek news <laughs> very good <laughs> right well before we get on to the main chat with rich let's get into this beer which is as i said at the top of the show yarl from fine ales apparently i'm the only person left in the entire world who has hasn't had this beer um it's 3.8 percent abv hoppy blonde session ale now, the funny thing is at the old fountain on the big beer board where Obviously, they have the beer, the brewery, and what style it is. Instead of a style, they just put hoppy with a few exclamation marks after it. <laughs> so, I'm assuming this is going to be hoppy. Well, it's advertised itself as such, so you would hope it lives up to the uh, <laughs> to, to the name. The hoppy Session Owl. Well, it's lovely and bubbly, that's for sure. It is, yeah. So it's got a lovely colour. I've got a beautiful head on mine as well. I've Ooh. once again decanted into a guzzling glass um, because I do uh, guess that this is going to be another guzzler tonight having had it before. That's like a really sweet meringue aroma on it. Yeah, It's a lovely looking beer. It's it's getting, really so inviting. Yeah, I'm getting kind of like vanilla and lemon off that. Very I'm getting big, big zesty lemon and lime mm. off, off of that. And Rich, you've got a couple of bottles there tonight, haven't you? I, I, I spied from the Twitter feed. Well, I didn't know how many you guys crack open of one of these events, so I thought <laughs> I'd get a couple just in case. Um, but I, I can always share one with my wife later. Um, but yeah, y'all, it's just it's one of my favourite beers of all time. In fact, it may be my favourite beer of all time. I was thinking about that in the run-up to this podcast. It's just so, it's just so accessible. Um, it's just got the fantastic citrus and grassy flavour to it. It just screams citra all the way through. Um, when I one of the time when I was at the brewery uh, doing a guided tour when they had their Fine Fest beer festival, the head brewer then uh, Will 
just ripped open a bag of citra hops and said to us all in turn, just stick your head in there and take a sniff. And it just smelled exactly like y'all. It was just amazing. Wow. Now, wasn't this was um, wasn't this one of the first beers in the UK to use the citra hop as well? Yes, it was. Yeah. So they brewed this uh, every year for their Fine Fest beer festival. They brew a special beer. Uh, and this was the one they brewed for their 2010 festival. Uh, and I, I first tried it. I didn't go that year. Unfortunately, that was the only one I haven't been to. And of course, it was the only festival where it was gloriously sunny. Um, <laughs> being being, uh, being Argyle. Um, but they actually had it at the Scottish Real Ale Festival in 2010. And that was the first time I tried it. And even then, you just think, wow, this, you know, beer festivals have their pros and cons in terms of getting the flavors from beer. Sometimes they come well, sometimes they don't do well. But right from the first sip, just thought this is, yeah, this is something amazing. Um, and these kind of beers, they've, they've come on since, you know, it's 3.8%. It's a single hot beer. It's got yarl, uh, citra in it, sorry. Citra has just taken over the market in the kind of 2010 to 2012. Lots and lots of citra beers appeared. I don't know if they're becoming a bit rarer now because the hops become so um, just everywhere. But uh, yarl was definitely one of the first to use citra. And it does it so well and still does. Are you getting into yours yet, Steve? No, I was I was waiting for for, for Rich to finish that fine introduction to it before <laughs> um, before we toasted and, and and got on with this, and then I was going to get you to do the first uh, first thoughts because obviously being the only one here that's not had it before, so yeah. sh sh shall we crack into it? Let's get into it. Okay, cheers, right. guys. Cheers. Cheers. There's always a pause when everybody drinks. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, I wasn't going to say anything, was I? Mark, <laughs> over, over to you. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's lovely in light, which you would expect with a 3.8%. Oh, and that and that follow-on, the bittering that, that follows on afterwards. It's lovely and sweet and light when you're drinking it. Mm -hmm. Then as it settles... That nice little bite from the hops on the end, and like you say, this is a great example of a citra beer. You know, we've we've had a, a few nice citra ones on the show before. But this is lovely. It's just got such a fantastic long grapefruit finish, um, and that's just the signature of citra beers. Um, if you haven't had Yarl, you may have had Oakham Citra, which is very similar to this. Yeah, uh, And that's no coincidence because uh, Will Wood was the head brewer at Oakham and then he moved to Fine Ales. So okay. he, took, he took a lot of, the, um, lot of the beer styles with him. He's now gone to Lacons. He's got his own smaller brewery now. He's left Fine Ales. Um, but Fine Ales, Yarl and Oakham Citra, very, very similar. Yeah, I, th I think this is slightly lighter than... Um, I think you're right, beer. yes. Yeah. yeah. I think I think it's interesting because the the term gateway beer is one that seems to be used an awful lot these days, but but this is if if you've got sort of lager drinking friends, this would be a perfect introduction into to showing them that there's so much more to beer mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. it's got a lot of those characteristics that you get from sort of like your mainstream lagers, but then it's just packed full of flavour. And, and as you say there, Rich, that lasting grapefruit bitterness at the end just goes on and on and on. Um, and it just finishes so dry. And again, it's one of those dry finishes that instantly makes you want to take another gulp of it to to, to kind of refresh the palate. It's yeah. such a such a good beer. Mm -hmm. 
and it's it's all down to the hop. I mean, I think I think Citra was created by Sierra Nevada, so you, you can you can get that feeling because again, gateway beers. I always talk about um, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale because that was my gateway. Yep. And they're they're not a million miles away, even though that's probably twice as strong as this. Um, the the long grapefruit finish is very very Californian, um, and it definitely comes across. It's it's interesting you say that because Sierra Nevada is one of those beers again you know it, it's it sticks in our our minds because that was probably the first beer that we did on the show that made us realise how good beer was and oh, how me, good beer yep. can be. Yep, me too. Exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. I think that may have been one of the first crafty beers we did on the show, Steve. I think it was. Yeah, back in back in the early days. Back in the days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you look at the label on y'all, it, it, they they kind of they market it very cleverly in that it says, as you were saying at the top of the show, a hoppy blonde session ale. So I think they are appealing to people who do go for more lagery type beers and think, oh, maybe I'll try this, just to get that gateway uh, effect. And it, I think it certainly works when people try it. They, it's definitely got more to it than most lagers, obviously, as you, as you know. Yeah, if you poured this out, I don't think a lager drinker would be no, hesitant. It, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have taste. Sorry, I have to go back. <laughs> I am. I just keep diving in. I, I <laughs> literally can't put my glass down uh, at the moment because I'm just enjoying that so much. And, it, you know, at 3.8%, it is so sessionable as, as well. You could very, very easily have a good few pints of that and carry yeah. on enjoying it pint after pint as well. What's the record for the quickest finished beer on the uh, Beer O'Clock show? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did... I'm pretty sure I did one in almost one go once. Oh, really? <laughs> from the tasting, I think I almost finished one once, but I can't remember which okay. one it was. Was, was. Yeah, that, that was probably the Unhuman Cannonball the first time it was released, wasn't it? Where you tried to do it in one. <laughs> wasn't quite in one. <laughs> I, I, I think I did, do have a record for finishing the bottle, though. But <laughs> there has been a few when, especially in the summer, you know, we're tired, we're hot, we come in, drink a beer, and it's down. It's like, well, the show is done now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's only been five minutes now. I have to talk about it. Got to stretch that review out a little bit yeah. longer. <laughs> I think another good thing about y'all, where it really uh, stands up, is on the first taste. I know we talked about the long aftertaste and the, the kind of Californian grapefruitiness you get, but it has one of the best first tastes I think of any beer I know, and that's another reason why it's one of my favourites because it's just, as you're saying that it's just the perfect pick me up. You know, if you need that kind of Friday afternoon. Loose nerve, you had a long day or whatever. Just get one straight out of the fridge, and it's just the first taste is just amazing. Yeah, it's so lovely and light, and you got that gorgeous aroma coming, like greeting you as you're about to take your first swallow. Mm-hmm. A lovely little package, this beer. I'm impressed from from beginning to end. Yeah, mm. uh, everything about it is just spot on. Is it is it widely available? Obviously, I can get it any dozen places around here. But is it widely available down I've, where you guys are? I've never seen it before, but then I don't go into bottle shops per se. It it's certainly not supermarket widely available. Um, the, the the ones the that we're drinking tonight came from Owls by Mail. Um, oh, okay. That they're a stockist of, of of some of the fine beers. Um, I think they do two or three from the range. Um, but failing that, you'd have to, you, you know, I, I suppose as Mark says, you know, the old fountain places like that, 
good good bars in in London are are probably going to have this this on occasionally when it when it comes up as being available for them to get. But I, I doubt it's certainly not anywhere nearly nearly as widely available as it as it is up there for you, Rich. Mm. Well, I mean they're just uh, they're they're expanding quite a lot now. Finals they put a two million pound investment into their brewery um, last year. So as they gradually increase production, I'm sure the markets, the export markets down to England will pick up. So hopefully you'll be able to find it a bit more readily. That, yeah. that would be great. I mean, I'd, I'd love <laughs> to be able to go into a lot more bars and see this on, on, on tap and be pulled towards this <laughs> kind of as a starter r- yeah. rather than, than going for the standard 7.5% double IPA that always drags me towards it. It'd make a nice like in between beer as well if you if you're hitting all those heavy stouts or those heavy IPAs and having a little a, a lighter <laughs> like, <laughs> a, like a little break a little refreshment beer in between yeah it's a little refresher a, yeah. a little refresher yeah. in between beers <laughs> so Rich let's have a little chat about your beer cast mate that was called the beer cast mm-hmm. that you stopped a couple of years ago. Yeah, but it was kind of it was around when we started. I'm pretty sure it was still going on because I remember looking you up and reading reading your blog, and listening to a couple of episodes. <laughs> so um, I'm sure Steve has a notepad full of questions to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how, how did you get a start in doing that? For one thing, um, it 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 kind of started almost as soon as I started blogging, really, because um. I already had a blog when I lived in Australia, and when I came back to the UK, I kind of wanted to carry it on and did, but very quickly ran out of things to talk about because you know it wasn't as exciting as living in, in Sydney. But then I, I decided to try and get into beer because I kind of sensed it was just about to get interesting because I only I only drank lager from then, mm-hmm. and I wanted to try I wanted to find something more interesting. And a friend of mine, Paul, uh, came up with the idea of maybe just um, uh, doing tasting notes, you know, just kind of. Uh, what we will we'll get together, try some beers, do a blog post, and then we thought, well, you know, if we're if we're kind of sitting in a room talk, uh, doing these tasting notes, maybe we should record it because it's easier than writing it down. And then we said, well, if we're recording it, why don't we put it out as a podcast? So we did. Uh, the first several were awful um, <laughs> because we didn't we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't really know anything about the beers. Yeah. We didn't know how to do the podcast, but we we persevered. Um, and the first one we recorded, I remember, we did the whole episode on a glass table. And so when I when I came to edit it, within about twenty seconds, I realised we just couldn't use it because there was this horrendous crash and scraping yeah. sound every time you put your beer down. So we learned the hard way, but we got there and we did seventy two in the end over um, about six years. And wow. I don't know how many people actually listened to it, but because there, there were a few podcasts then, uh, beer podcasts, but they were all American ones. Uh, they all lasted an hour and a half to two hours an episode. Uh, so we wanted to make something that was a little bit quicker and easier and just you could listen to you know, when you're on the bus or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we, and we did. Uh, and it went up on iTunes and we got some good feedback. And when we stopped in 2013, we didn't get an email saying, why have you stopped? But, so I think our time had come. But we enjoyed it while we were doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Rich, what, what was your um, – were there any – main reasons behind you stopping doing it um i mean i know obviously you you do quite a lot of writing now now as well um you, you know your blogs well recognized as as being one of the best beer blogs in the uk um was was it just that the the, the writing did you find it more accessible easier to do or, or or was it as you say did did your podcast just come to its natural conclusion 
I think it did, yeah. I think it kind of ran its course. Um, but primarily the reason we stopped was because we actually recorded it in the same room. So we all got everyone together uh, through a one-track microphone. And it just became harder and harder to get everyone together uh, because people, one of my friends got a job that he had to travel, uh, had, a, had a son. And then it just, you know, every so often we thought, right, we'll try and do one this week and it didn't happen and it just kind of petered out. Um, so we thought, well, we could try and do it again, but I just thought we'll just pull the plug because we've been doing it for so long and we couldn't get everyone together on a regular basis to keep it going. So that was really why it finished, unfortunately. That, I think that's one of the things that, that's really appealing about it at the same time as well, though, is that you listen to, to, to when you guys are, are talking about the beer and obviously you can tell you're all in the same room and it's got a really mm. nice kind of social feel about it. And it's, it's quite literally like sitting down the pub, being on a table next to a group of mates that are chatting about beer and are just yeah. having a really good time about it. And that's that's what really came across about mm -hmm. the cast for me was that it just felt so social and friendly. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was kind of what we were getting for. Um, we actually had we, we had a wide range of guests on it, friends and people we knew, not, not famous people or anything, but uh, we actually did start to use Skype when we first started uh, back in 2007. And I remember an episode where we were trying to get Skype to record whilst we were recording our recording, and I ended up sitting with a, a stereo speaker from a hi-fi, like a big a walnut-panelled <laughs> stereo speaker, on my knee, pointing at the microphone for a whole hour while we uh, keyed in someone's voice from London. But we weren't, so we weren't exactly the best technically-minded uh, podcasting crew. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. That's that's the reason we started. We started because it was a social thing. We were just kind of sitting around having a beer, and that's really the kind of the main. Um, that was the main driving point of the podcast. We would just talk about four beers, what they were like, what was going on, and that was it. Yeah. So I'm glad it came across. And and what's what's it like podcasting again tonight with us? Is is it like revisiting an old friend? You know, it really is. This is really taking me back. It's fantastic. Um, uh, it's it's I don't know. It's just it's I always enjoy um, speaking about beers, and it's great to just kind of sit down and have a beer, and you can do both at the same time, and it's it's fantastic. Um, but yes, it's definitely uh, taken me back doing this, no question. Making you consider going back to, to starting again? Oh, uh, I would love to. We we talk about that every six months, me and my friends that are here. You know, <laughs> I think, oh, you know, we haven't done one for three years. You know, we should maybe go and do one. I'm like, oh, okay. It never never quite comes off. But yes, um, I, I would love to do another one, very much so. I was just going to say, obviously, Rich, you know, it's, it, it, it's interesting because you say you haven't done a podcast for three years, um, but yet you still manage to absolutely beast us every week in the iTunes charts. And, <laughs> and I just, I just don't. And obviously, the quality of what you were doing was was so much higher than what we're putting out here. Um, um, but who knows? You know, we've got you on the show this week. Maybe that'll boost our ratings a little bit. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do for you. <laughs> we had the irony is we had no idea at the time. And we still don't what the stats were because we couldn't work it out. Um, it was it was hard enough for me just to upload it to iTunes, and that, once I'd done that, I kind of gave up with it. So. I think it's it's interesting though because there are I mean there's a there's a small probably a small group of podcasters in the UK now that uh, are putting out regular content, um, mm. and we, we've obviously tried to to reach out for them because you know the, the the thing in the beer world is all about collaboration isn't it and it's about doing stuff with others and chatting to people and we hear the phrase beer folk are good folk which which is you, you know I, I stand by that um yeah. but it's it's great to see that actually there are quite a few people embracing it now as a as a form of media yeah very much um when, when we started um 
the reason why we did podcasting because it was new and interesting. Um, but now there's so many different ways to get your thoughts across there. Uh, like things like vlogging, that was never an option when I was, I sound like an old man now, but um, <laughs> that was never really an option uh, for us. So it was just either full text blogs or you could maybe you could cobble together something audio. You could put the MP3 on iTunes and that was it. Um, but yeah, there's so much, so many more ways to disseminate what you want to say now. And that gets people talking because everyone has a unique viewpoint, either from what they say or the way they say it. And it's very much a product of its time, I think, the way people choose to put their message out there. Yeah, and I, I think it, it appeals, doesn't it? Because everybody will have their own preference mm -hmm. as, as well as to how, like, how they like to con consume that information. So mm -hmm. I, I enjoy reading blogs. Podcasts are really easy for me as, as well because I do quite a bit of commuting. So as, as you said earlier, you know, you, if, if you get a podcast that's a, a decent commutable length, it's, mm. it's, it's, you know, it's a one-journey podcast. Um, I, I struggle a bit more with with the vloggers. I mean, I know there's great content there, but it's the I have to be connected to be able to watch this to the internet. Um, yeah. And until you can get to a point where you know YouTube let you download stuff to watch it offline, um, I, I, I you know. But I, I guess for for the the consumer, for the beer geek, for for people that like to listen to, read, watch about beer, there's so many options now. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but one thing that was good for us is that we actually, because we did it over a number of years, we actually learned as we went along, not just in terms of the technical thing, but just about the beers, because we knew nothing when we started. We never once claimed to be experts, and I think if you listen to our podcast, you probably understand why. Um, but, I mean, if you guys learnt as you've gone along about the kind of beers you like and what you don't like, and it's, it's made you uh, appreciate beer more as you've gone on? Oh, yeah. I mean, for me personally... The first episode was probably about the third or fourth real ale, like non-lager I'd ever had. Mm -hmm. And so, if anyone listening from episode one to now, that's me learning about beer the entire time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's great, people appreciate that, because they know that, you know, uh, they don't necessarily dial in expecting you to know absolutely everything and the IBUs and everything down to the down to the tiny degree. Mm -hmm. And if you if you kind of have something and if you then kind of uh, appreciate what you're drinking more and people listen to that, I think that's really really interesting to listen to. Yeah, and we have people on who are obviously experts on beer. You know, we've had brewers, we've had people like Andy Parker who's Oh, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. gone from being a home brewer to a brewer himself and he's mm -hmm. you know he's beer inside out and you know other people within the community who have amazing palates and i'm trying to be like a sponge and soaking all of that up <laughs> mm -hmm. and steve has shared his knowledge while we've both been experiencing wider and wider you know beers italian beers american beers mm -hmm. whatever that are coming through so I, I've learned. I, I think I've learned as well, though, mate. I, oh yeah. You yeah. know, when I when I came into this, I, I was, you, you know, I was drinking beers that you could buy off the supermarket shelf, and 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 that was it. And you, you know, I I learned in a very short space of time that there was this this whole sort of almost a dark underworld of beer that that existed, where there were these bars and that sold these amazingly <laughs> ridiculously hot to eight percent beers, you know, and and that just. 
I, I don't know what it was, but I just hooked into that. So it's it's been a learning curve for me as as well. I, I think to to look at this. I mean, if 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 you listen back to some of our early shows, I mean, a lot of what you've been saying there, Rich, really resonates with with, with us. Our, our early shows are awful. They're, mm. they're absolutely terrible. Uh, <laughs> we, we often make the joke that the first episode was 25 minutes long, and it was released the week after the Olympics opening ceremony, and we spent 20 minutes talking about that and about five <laughs> minutes talking about the beer because we didn't really yeah, know what yeah. we were doing but but now we we try and play around with the format and as, as mark says we have we, we have people on the that we know have got as much of an interest in beer as we have and what one of the ideas that we're actually playing around with um is, is doing a series at some point of of going back to that first season that we did mm-hmm. and, and picking out four or five beers and actually re-reviewing them now yep. knowing what we idea. know about beer and, mm. and and seeing how that comes across mm. oh, that's a fantastic idea yeah because your perception will have changed so much since those early days so you should definitely do that that's a great idea well any, any other thoughts on this very 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 nice and easy yowl from fine ales guys um it's gone <laughs> <laughs> it's all gone it's um i've enjoyed every sip of that um it's just this refreshing great big citrusy dry moorish sessionable hoppy blonde beer from scotland just brilliant stuff yep same that's all i can say is same it's it's just lovely three and three point eight percent you know that's what you want to, to settle in for a night of yowl. <laughs> have a have a have a yowl night, and you'll be sorted. <laughs> I think. Absolutely, it tastes even better in the sun too. If you get it outside, it's just the perfect summer quencher. It really is. Oh, I can see that. That that yeah. is yeah. Uh, I'm I'm going to get a few of those in for the summer actually, because <laughs> mm-hmm. that that is that they are exactly what you want on a summer's afternoon. Right, Steve, let's move on. Do you have an Instagram of the week, mate? Yes, uh, simple one this week. Only only the one really to choose from. Um, posted early on in, in the week as well. And um, a name that hasn't been up for a while, but has been a previous winner. Um, at PlimShawn101 um, for a stunning, simply stunning black and white picture of brew by numbers 1108 session ipa um which is up on our instagram feed and it's also in the show notes um make sure to uh have you have your own go at the instagram prize this prize of the week by posting a picture of beer on instagram with the hashtag cheers guys very good now rich where can people find you online mate uh, you can, well, my website is uh, thebeercast.com, mm-hmm. uh, which I do still update every now and again. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at thebeercast. It's my two main hangouts. Yeah. Now, on your website, you tend to have a lot of um, little notes about what's going on around the Scottish scene, right? Yeah, yeah. So actually, I do a thing every Sunday about what's going on in Edinburgh specifically, because that's where I live. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but yeah, I do try and focus on what's going on in, in Scotland because like everywhere else, it's going crazy at the moment and has been for a few years. Uh, so it's just a nice, uh, nice manageable numbers. We're up to, um, let me get my latest figures of breweries, 96 we're now at Scottish wow. breweries. Uh, so that's eight, 86 breweries and 10 people who contract elsewhere. So uh, it's, it's, it's still manageable though. And it's, it's going to only going to increase. Yeah. There's so much focus on the London scene sometimes. Obviously, mm-hmm. 
more people, more people talking about the London scene, but head mm. north and, you know, as soon as you hit like Yorkshire and up near Manchester and then Scotland, there's so many amazing breweries doing things. Oh yeah, and absolutely. At times they're dwarfing what, I mean, you've got Brewdog, obviously, he's mm. like this, not even a dwarf, he's like this gargantuan <laughs> monster staring down the rest of the country. But yeah, then you have right. other people like Harvesting, who, who we're having fun with at the moment, and Magic Rock, and all these other guys. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. Yeah, let's let's not we'll... forget, Mark, as well, that we've got, obviously, the, the Irish theme this season as well. Yes. Yeah. You know, 70-odd breweries in Ireland now that are now producing amazing beer. I mean, I think, you know, all over, not just the UK, but in Ireland uh, as well, there, there are some amazing beers being produced in this little corner of the world right now. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Um, I think that's about it. Hmm. Steve, what have we got coming up next week, mate? Um, next week is our what's becoming a regular feature every season now and always a lot of fun to um, administer and record. <laughs> it's the homebrew special next week. Um, we have got beers from, um, and these are just their Twitter ads for now <laughs> and until they come on next week. So we've got at Broadford Brewer at Learn to Brew UK and at Russ Boutique. Um, and respectively, we've got an India Brown Owl, a IPA with various grasses, and what possibly looks like a golden owl as, as well <laughs> on, on next week's show. It, was, it wasn't that descriptive on the label. And at the end of the show, after the tinkly, tinkly music, we have an interview with our old buddy Fergus from Adnams that Steve did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, Fergus is talking about, again, just stand with the theme that we've got this season. Um, Fergus obviously started off um, originally from Ireland, started brewing in Ireland. So he, he, he shares his thoughts on what's going on with, with the Irish beer scene right now. Cool. The Beer O'Clock Show is proud to be supported by Ales Bar Mail, your premier destination for bottled real ales delivered directly to your door. Visit alesbarmail.co.uk and use the code BOCS10 for a 10% discount. You can find Richard Taylor at The Beercast on Twitter and thebeercast.com. You can find us online at beeroclockshow.co.uk, on Twitter at beeroclockshow, on Instagram at beeroclockshow, on Untapped at beeroclockshow. Steve, I'm on Untapped at Roku, and I'm on Twitter at Roku. Yeah, Richard, thank you very much for joining us this week, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, I've loved it. I just want to say thank you for, A, getting me back into y'all, because I've not had it for a long time, and that's criminal. <laughs> and, B, thank you for getting me back into podcasting. It's been brilliant. I've loved it. Great. Cheers, Rich. It's, it's been you. great having you on. It, it really has. <laughs> and um, I, 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 Let's extend an invitation now. Will you come back again in, in the future? Oh, very much so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant. Thank Excellent. you. Steve, thanks as always, mate. Been the highlight of my week, and until next week, bye bye. So, we're continuing the theme uh, around the Irish brewing scene at the moment, and I'm here with Fergus Fitzgerald, who's Adnam's head brewer. Fergus, welcome to the show again. Thank you. Um, Fergus, you started your, your, your brewing 
career with a brief stint in, in Ireland about 20 years ago. <laughs> what, what, what? Sort of 20 years sort ago, yeah. 20 years ago. Sort of that. Um, brewing with Murphy's. Uh, yeah, a very short stint brewing in, well, actually working in the lab at Murphy's. Uh, I'd actually started my career f- at Fuller's for a sort of six-month period in, in their lab, and then went back to Ireland, um, and then sort of got a, a sort of very similar position in Murphy's lab mm-hmm. as a sort of temporary cover for of some of their guys going off doing brewing exams and things yeah. like that. And what what was the brewing scene like back back in Ireland then? I don't think I don't think you could really call it a scene really. Yeah. Uh, I think you had the major the major brewers like uh, sort of Murphy's although they're sort of Heineken Ireland now but Murphy's when I was there. Uh, you had Guinness and that wasn't really much else about and certainly where I I had no concept that there was anything other than those two when I was growing up. It was that, that was it as far as I was concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a completely different sort of landscape now. So so the, the choice for the consumer was fairly limited then. It was yeah. stout or stout. You would basically. pay a lager or you would stout. Yeah. Um, and you had Smithix, uh, which was awful at the time. Um, it, I think it's improved slightly since then, but mm-hmm. yeah, that was it really. That, okay. was your, that was your choice of beer styles. So, so, so jumping forward to now, we're, we're now in a position in, in Ireland where we're looking at around 75 breweries, mm-hmm. uh, I think there are now. Um, what, what are your thoughts on how the, the, the scene there has now expanded in that time? I, I, think, I, I think it's amazing. I, in some ways, I'm quite jealous, really, that I'm, I'm, I'm not there when it's happening. But, but I think it's amazing. Uh, and I think it, it brings beer to life in Ireland in a way that hasn't been so for for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think it's a fantastic thing. And have, have you had the opportunity to to try any of the stuff that's coming out of Ireland? A few. I, I, I try and get back to Ireland a couple times a year, but I hadn't last year. I just didn't manage to get back, so uh, I'm going back in April. But I have tried some beers from Metal Man. Uh, I've tried some stuff from uh, 8 Degrees. Um, and I'm all really good, I think, to say that the, the Metal, Band, uh, Metal Man Pale Ale that I had was excellent, I have to say. I, I, that's, really really good beer uh, and the 8 degrees is not actually is not that far from where I live back home which is sort of in the middle of nowhere but um, so I was quite surprised to come across it in, in a sort of local store when I was back two years ago um, so it was a really really sort of eye opening sort of thing to see it in a very rural store sort of not really uh, not really sort of focused on beer in any way at all but there was this sort of beer from 8 degrees mm-hmm. um, so that was quite a nice thing to see and here at Adnams, you've recently just launched a, a, a stout to, to go in as part of your core range. Yes, I, I yeah. believe it is the Blackshaw Stout. Um, and in the blurb on your website, you, you, you talked about where some of the inspiration for that came from or, or, yeah, no, or I, where you're pitching that in the market. I, I think Guinness, for me, has always been an iconic beer. And I, th- I, I think it has moved away a little bit from, from what I remember it. Now, whether that's my sort of... Sort of looking back romantically at the sort of past and how I remember Guinness to be, but I don't think necessarily it is how how it was, how it is now as 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 I remember it. So, I think it's lost a bit of profile, lost a bit of flavour. So that's the inspiration behind the, the sort of stat we've done is sort of how I remember Guinness to be, not necessarily how it is now. Um, so it's got a bit more flavour, a bit more sort of fruity characteristics to it. Um, but I think it's still in the sort of ballpark of what people might consider to be a sort of dry Irish stout. Mm-hmm. And it's it's nitroed as well, so it, yeah. So the spence is the same as yeah. you'd expect from a sort of a keg a keg stout with sort of nitro on it. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that's as much as anything. I think for the sort of sort of normal 
stout drinker that that sort of is the thing they first look at is what it looks like and that that decides whether they're going to go and buy one I think mm-hmm. uh, so we tried to make it look same sort of presentation uh, the head will never be I think as clean as the Guinness makes it because not, not sort of how we make it it's never going to be quite the same uh, but it has a very similar appearance I think Okay, so just going back to um, the, the Irish scene at the moment, it, it might be quite difficult to ask you this from afar, but what, what do you think the, the, the future holds for, for the scene out there? Because I, I went out there recently, I, I said that I think it's probably about two years behind where, where, where we are in the UK at the moment. Um, what, what would you hope to see coming out of Ireland in the next year, 18 months? Uh, well, I think, I think it's, it's probably, I would say it's probably a couple of years behind that again, but I, th- I think basically because they, there, there isn't that middle ground. I think in the UK you've had you've had big brewers, me- medium brewers, and small brewers. I think in the in Ireland you've got the big brewers. There hasn't been any medium ground at all, and it's all it's all the sort of small guys that are starting up now. So I think it will take a bit more time to get it get to the sort of level uh, we've sort of seen in the UK. Uh, but what I hope to see is is more beer in more Irish pubs, and not just the sort of the, the sort of towns. It's quite easy to get into those sort of beer-led, style-conscious bars, that, that's what they're trying to game for. But I think that the sort of the ideal is that you're going to, when I, when I drive home to Kimalik, which is in the middle of nowhere in, in Limerick, that I'll go to a pub and actually there'll be something there that actually I wouldn't have seen 10 years ago. There will be a beer from uh, from 8 Degrees or Metal Man or someone like that, um, or from Galway Bay, something in there that actually I wouldn't have seen 10 years ago. And I think that's the that's the point where you think, actually, you know, it's worked. I think if, if it's only going into the sort of big cities... Uh, then actually it's it's a very it's a very niche market still. So hopefully in the next couple of years we'll see it get into those into those rural pubs, mm-hmm. which is difficult because there are there are sort of barriers to trade and sort of in sort of how you get in there. And and certainly the big brewers aren't going to just stand back and let that happen. It's in their interest to try and stop that as much as possible. Um, so I think that will be a quite a testing ground for the next few years. And when when you go back to to Ireland, do you have a go to beer that that you like to uh, search out. <laughs> Uh, honestly, no. I, I think the last time I went back, uh, it was back for a, a friend's stag weekend, um, and uh, I think Galway Bay. Was it Galway Bay? Yeah, I think it was Galway. It might have been a couple of no, that's not on Galway Bay. It was um, Galway Hooker, mm-hmm. uh, and that was sort of the go-to beer at the time. Uh, that was only because we were we were up that way. If I was back home, it just wouldn't have been around. It would have been the Heineken's and. And the Guinness and that basically was the choice, certainly where I where I sort of grew up. Um, so, what I'm hoping is when I go back in April, is that there will be a bit more a bit more choice out there. And is there a, a brewery that you'd look to maybe want to do something with in in, in Ireland? Um, I, I I like what Galway Bay do. Um, I like what Metal Man have done, uh, and I like I, I do like that, the stuff the Eight Degrees have done as well. I think they're probably for me, sort of up, up the sort of level of it. Uh, we've done some things with Dungarvan Brewing Company as well for uh, for Weatherspoons. Uh, so Cormac's been over twice, I think. Uh, and we've done a couple of beers, and that was that was quite a nice thing to sort of to sort of do that sort of collaboration with with a brewer from Ireland. Uh, which again, I think when I first when I was in Ireland, I, I probably would never have imagined that would have happened. Um, so that was quite a nice thing. But I think yeah, those sort of brewers, I think, would be nice nice things to sort of do something with. And hopefully I'll, I think 8 Degrees, their brewery is probably only about an hour's drive from where I live back home. So when I get home in April, hopefully I'll have a little visit out and go and see them. Okay, so, so watch this space then? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I've got, <laughs> I, I'm going out to see them out of my own interest rather yeah. than anything else. But yeah, 
And, and and do you do you enjoy doing that in 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 your downtime? Just just going around and having a look at other other breweries. Uh, disappointingly, and... yes, uh, I do do the busman's bus holiday. Yeah. yeah, I do, I do. Uh, and I think I think that most people that I know who are sort of really interested in beer generally uh, do actually like doing that in their in their own time if they're in a in a part of the world where there's a brewery they haven't been to see before and it's quite interesting. Yeah, I do I do quite like going around. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I've, when I've been on holiday in Cornwall, I've gone to see Roger at St. Austell just because I quite like going and seeing him and seeing what he's up to. Um, so yeah. Well look, cheers Fergus for sharing your views on the current Irish beer scene and for giving us some time this afternoon. Don't forget, those of you that are following season six of the Beer O'Clock Show, you can order your exclusive Irish craft beer box from the drink store by clicking on the season six beer list tab on the website.